Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. Celibacy, the priest's free commitment to a life of chastity while remaining unmarried, has long been a distinctive trait of the Catholic priesthood, so much so that it's almost always one of the first things non-Catholics associate with the Catholic Church. But the celibate priesthood has its critics. Taking a brief look at some of their arguments against celibacy will help generate a fuller understanding and appreciation of the Church's wise and convincing reasons for it. Celibacy and Sexuality Perhaps the most common argument against celibacy is married priests would have fewer difficulties living out their sexuality. In the first place, this argument posits a superficial conception of marriage and sexuality, as if marriage were merely a vehicle for letting off sexual steam. Marriage and marital intimacy are a lot more than that. In fact, marriage too is a sacrament, an efficacious sign of God's grace. It shouldn't be demeaned. But this objection makes two other ungrounded assumptions. First, it assumes that most priests have noteworthy difficulty living out their vow of celibacy. Now, it's clear that some priests do, and they make the news because of it. But it's not clear that most, or even a slight majority, or even many priests do. Not at all. Second, the argument assumes that most married men don't have difficulty living out their sexuality. As if, as soon as a man gets married, all temptations and difficulties just disappear. This is clearly false. Pornography is equally rife among bachelors and husbands, and marital infidelity remains one of the leading causes of divorce. Furthermore, the most reliable statistics indicate that married men are also just as likely as single men to be involved in sexual abuse crimes, and even more likely than celibate priests. So letting priests marry would not magically remove temptations and difficulties. Whether celibate, married, or single, all Catholic men are called to live the virtue of chastity, and that always takes a healthy combination of self-discipline, maturity, and God's grace, no matter what. The Historical Context Another common argument goes like this. Priestly celibacy was invented later in history and is an expression of a male chauvinistic culture. In the early pre-male dominated church, priests were married. Therefore, priests today should also be allowed to marry. This objection depends on inaccurate history and flawed theology. Priestly celibacy didn't begin later in history. It began with Jesus Christ, who was celibate continued in New Testament times, with St. John the Evangelist and St. Paul, for instance, and has been present in the Church ever since. It is true that some of the first apostles and many of the priests and bishops in the early Church were married, but that doesn't imply that celibacy was a later invention. Rather, married priests and celibate priests coexisted in the first centuries of the Church's history, even though celibacy was preferred. So preferred, in fact, that in the early Middle Ages, 
it was made a required discipline for all priests of the Latin Rite. Married priests exist in the Oriental Catholic churches, although usually bishops are required to be celibate. But even in those traditions, once a man is ordained to the priesthood, he cannot marry. So, historically speaking, priestly celibacy has been around as long as the church has been around. Theologically, celibacy undertaken for the kingdom of Christ is rooted in the gospel itself, not in a medieval program of male domination. Jesus praises celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. He says, Not all can accept this word, but only those to whom it is granted. Some are incapable of marriage because they were born so. Some because they were made so by others. Some because they have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept this ought to accept it. St. Paul also praises the celibate state in his first letter to the Corinthians. He writes, And now to the unmarried and to widows I say, It is a good thing for them to remain as they are, as I do. Those who marry will experience affliction in their earthly life, and I would like to spare you that. I should like you to be free of anxieties. An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and he is divided. St. Paul concludes by pointing out that both marriage and celibacy are good, saying that whoever marries does well, and whoever refrains from marriage for the sake of the kingdom does better. Historically, therefore, celibacy was not an invention of the Middle Ages, and theologically, it has nothing to do with unjust male domination. We'll go further into what it does have to do with later on. Celibacy and Vocations Another objection claims that allowing priests to marry would end the shortage of priestly vocations. This objection is naive and superficial. In the first place, the shortage of priests is not universal. Some parts of the world are experiencing it, while seminaries in other parts of the world are showing an abundance of vocations. If the problem were celibacy, why would there be such a discrepancy? Second, the countries that are suffering a lack of vocations to the priesthood now did not suffer such a lack in years past. Again, if the problem were celibacy, why the discrepancy? Third, plenty of mainstream Protestant churches allow their clergy to marry, but this hasn't flooded their seminaries. Clearly, the so-called vocations crisis needs to look elsewhere for a solution. Celibacy and Counseling Another objection claims that married priests would be better equipped to counsel married couples. This objection is also based on two faulty assumptions. The first is that Catholic couples are only supposed to receive counsel from priests. That's not true. A healthy diocese or parish offers engaged and married couples the services of well-formed Catholic physicians and psychiatrists on matters where medical expertise is required. 
They also offer mini courses and retreats that include sessions with experienced couples who can help younger couples overcome difficulties and make the most of opportunities. The priest who cuts himself off from this kind of help is simply not being faithful to the mind of the church. The second faulty assumption is that you have to actually experience all the problems that marriages can undergo in order to be able to help solve them. That's like saying that a doctor has to suffer from a disease himself in order to be able to identify and cure it. If this were the case, no one would be qualified to give marriage counsel because no one person has experienced all the problems that can crop up in a marriage. But even so, priests can become excellent guides and supports for married couples. A dedicated priest takes his spiritual fatherhood seriously and can get to know hundreds of families and married couples in the course of his ministry, maybe even thousands. He learns from this vast experience. He accompanies couples through the good times and the bad. He gets to know the symptoms, causes, and solutions of the most common and uncommon marriage and family troubles. And because of his exclusive dedication to the church, both men and women can approach him with confidence, with openness, Maybe they will need to talk to experts or experienced married couples about particular psychological or physiological issues, but they can open their hearts to the priest. In this way, the priest becomes a truly unique resource for married couples, an objective, but at the same time caring and experienced spiritual guide for the people entrusted to his ministry. The Reasons for Celibacy Those are some frequent arguments made against celibacy and some brief answers. But the real reasons for priestly celibacy are more than just responses to objections. They show the immense advantages of a celibate priesthood, both for the priest and for the church. There are three of them. First, there's the Christological reason. What is a Catholic priest? Someone whom God has chosen to exercise Christ's own eternal priesthood in a particular place and time. Through the ordained priest, Christ himself pastures his flock, feeding them with the Eucharist, interceding for them through the Mass and the Liturgy of the Hours, healing them with the sacraments of anointing and confession. In short, a Catholic priest is an extension of Christ's incarnation. His total dedication to the little part of the church that has been entrusted to him is a visible sign of Christ's total dedication to the church as a whole. A celibate priesthood is a clearer expression of this. It's a clearer manifestation of Christ himself, who was celibate, married to the church, his only bride. There's also the ecclesiological reason. Ecclesial means having to do with the church. This is a practical reason. A man who has no wife and family of his own can, objectively speaking, be more available to go wherever his bishop needs him. He can dedicate all his time, all his attention, and all his affection to the demands of his ministry. Certainly, it's not impossible for a married priest to be faithful and dedicated to his community. But objectively speaking, celibacy provides greater internal freedom and external flexibility. The third reason is referred to as the eschatological reason. 
Eschatology has to do with the last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Christ tells us in the Bible that there is no marriage in heaven. The indescribable happiness of heaven, the fulfillment that comes from living in perfect communion with God and with the saints, makes marriage as we understand it here below obsolete. The celibate priesthood, like the perfect chastity vowed by members of religious orders and other consecrated persons, is a constant reminder of this. A reminder that even the greatest natural pleasure and meaning that this world has to offer, that which comes from the intimacy of marriage and family life, will be superseded. A reminder that this world is not all there is. A reminder that our sexuality means much more than just having sex. The celibate priesthood is, in short, a billboard for heaven. Conclusion. More than a theory. These reasons are not just theoretical. They are also the result of the Church's experience. During the first Christian centuries, before making celibacy a requirement for all priests in the Latin Rite, Catholics gradually came to understand and appreciate the advantages of a celibate priesthood in the day-to-day life of their communities. They realized how valuable the gift or charism of a celibate priesthood is, and so it became the norm. In recent years, under pressure from non-Catholic Christians and from the challenges of postmodern society, the Church has re-examined this discipline, rediscovered its power and its beauty, and explicitly reaffirmed it. And so, as we continue to pray to the Lord for many dedicated and holy priests, we should also thank Him for this great charism of celibacy and humbly ask Him to keep lavishing it on those He calls to the priesthood. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org.